receive the office of what priesthood, right? I'm looking at it, y'all. Have a what commandment to do what? Take tithes of what? The people according to the law, right? They're supposed to pay the law. They're supposed to pay the priesthood. That is of their brethren, not outsiders, of their brethren. Isn't that amazing? Of their brethren, the household of faith. Though they came out of the loins of who? That's important to pay tithes. Out of the loins of Abraham. So guess what? Abraham paid tithes with his black brother. I had to put that in, y'all. I can't lie, but God will curse me if I lie. This man was black as pit dog. Abraham bowed to him. Well, line there, straighten it out so these people won't leave here ignorant. Abraham was from Shemite. That's, a, that's another black man. Shem. Shem, Ham, and Jacob. The black brothers. Don't get scared, y'all. I know what I'm saying. I can show you where to go get it. Go in Genesis. And right here in Hebrew, too. But we're scared. We're scared to talk about it. I look at TV on the news, everything, say, everybody's scared to talk about this race problem. It exists, and you're scared to talk about it. And you got one people going around here, every time somebody say a black, they say he's practicing racism. How in the world that's racism when you say black? That's a color. It's going to be all right. This is K-A-Y-T, Gina Alexandria. The gospel is on the radio at 88.1. Call up somebody. Tell them it's going to be all right. K-A-Y-T. Got the gospel transmitting all day. Ladies and gentlemen, we are here today to call on the highest power of the universe to bring peace and prosperity upon his people. The God that we serve is a deliverer and a strong tower. He is a God of stability, a God of substance, a God of authority, and a God who can solve all of our issues. So today, establish your people with deliverance, deliverance from the unemployment line, deliverance from food stamps and welfare, deliverance from the inner city housing and project living, deliverance from drug addiction, 
Deliverance from social injustice. Deliverance from drive-by shootings. Deliverance from illiteracy and homelessness. Deliverance from racism and bigotry. Deliverance from hatred and violence. Deliverance from the doom of demonism. Deliverance from sin and seduction. Deliverance from helplessness and despair. Authenticate us with the principles of your power so that we can dwell in your power today. I'm excited to introduce to you Deliverance Today Ministries. Our world is full of trouble, and we have reached a point where it is time to bring to the people of God the truth of God. We are headquartered in Shreveport, Louisiana, and are connected to churches worldwide. Each week, we desire to come into your life with a message of deliverance that will prepare you for heaven. invite you to join our prayer line and zoom into a closer walk with God every morning from 6 to 7 a.m. Central Standard Time. We have health professionals, spiritual counselors, and Christian aid workers in Louisiana and Texas, and we'll also extend our resources to help you with social, spiritual, financial, and mental needs wherever you are.
Today, our message is entitled, A Nugget for Neighbors. Remember that in crisis, many times we have very little sympathy for leaders. You see, oftentimes, our president, congressional leaders, governors, state senators, local leaders, churches, and even pastors take the brunt of individuals who believe that the leader is at fault for everything. You see, often in our thoughts, our pastor has never pastored a church through a pandemic before. So he's going to make mistakes. Understand that he does not know what tomorrow holds. Thus, instead of criticizing leaders, we ought to have a little sympathy for leaders. For when the minister opens up the church, people are going to say he should have closed the church. When he closes the church, people are going to say he should have opened the church. When he does not shake hands, people are going to say that he needs faith. When he shakes hands, people are going to say he's foolish. He's going to make some difficult decisions to protect the flock, considering everything from the church's spiritual growth to legal liabilities that aren't even on the realm of thinking of the average parishioner. You see, every pastor believes that they pastor the most amazing group of people until they get among them and find out that they can be most petty, uncaring, egotistical, stuck up, charlatans that the world has ever seen. Church folk can be snide, rude, inconsiderate, condemnatory and selfish. The backbite and hate friends alike group always exist in the church. In spite of the flaws and the unchristlike attitude of the people who are supposed to belong to Jesus, even while they are gossiping about him and criticizing him and hating him, the pastor is God's man and the members of the church are his sheep. I heard a minister say in one of these meetings this week that God sent the coronavirus to get church people out of their safe seal houses and carry the gospel to a world that is lost. I want to relate a story to you today. For in the story of the Good Samaritan, Christ illustrates the nature of true religion. He shows that it consists not in systems, creeds, or rites, but in the performance of loving deeds, in bringing the greatest good to others, and in genuine goodness. As Christ was teaching the people, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? With breathless attention, the large congregation awaited the answer. The priest, having the lawyer ask this question, But the Savior entered into no controversy. He required the answer from the questioner himself. What is written in the law? He said, Well, how readest thou? The Jews still accused Jesus of lightly regarding the law given from Sinai. But he turned the question of salvation upon the keeping of God's commandments. The lawyer said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy strength and with all thy mind 
and thy neighbor as thyself. Jesus said, Thou hast answered right. Do this, and thou shalt live. The lawyer was not satisfied with the position and works of the Pharisee. He had been studying the scriptures with a desire to learn their real meaning. He had a vital interest in the matter and had asked in sincerity, What shall I do? In his answer as to the requirements of the law, he passed by all the mass of ceremonial and ritualistic precepts. For these he claimed no value, but presented the two great principles on which hang all the law and the prophets. I remember at my mother's deathbed, I remember looking into her eyes and she said, son, you know all of your life. You've asked me about certain rules and regulations. And I've let you know that none of that stuff really matters. What really matters is, do I have a relationship with Jesus Christ? Have I learned to trust him? Have I learned to be obedient to him? Have I learned to look at his word and do what God says? Jesus says, this do and thou shalt live. Jesus also said, as he presented the law as a divine unity in his lesson taught that it is not possible to keep one precept and break another, for the same principle runs through them all. Not just one commandment, but all ten commandments were God's precepts and oracles to us. Man's destiny will be determined by his obedience to the whole law. For James says, Whosoever keepeth the whole law and offendeth in one point, he is guilty of all. Supreme love to God and impartial love to man are the principles to be wrought out in the life. The lawyer found himself a lawbreaker. He was convicted under Christ's searching words. You see, the righteousness of the law, which he claimed to understand, he had not practiced. He had not manifested love toward his fellow man. Repentance was demanded, but instead of repenting, he tried to justify himself. Rather than acknowledge the truth, he sought to show how difficult of fulfillment the commandment is. Thus, he hoped both to parry conviction to vindicate himself in the eyes of the people. The Savior's words had shown that his question was needless, since he had been able to answer it himself. Yet he put another question, saying, Well, who is my neighbor? Well, among the Jews, this question caused endless dispute. They had no doubt as to the heathen and the Samaritans, these were strangers and enemies, but where should the distinction be made among the people of their own nation and among the different classes of society? Whom should the priest, the rabbi, the elder regard as neighbor? They spent their lives in a round of ceremonies to make themselves pure. Contact with the ignorant and the careless multitude. They taught would cause defilement that would require wearisome effort to remove. Were they to regard the unclean as neighbors? Again, Jesus refused to be drawn into controversy. He did not denounce the bigotry of those who were watching to condemn him, but by a simple story, 
he held up before his hearers such a picture of the outflowing of heaven-born love as touched all hearts and drew from the lawyer a confession of the truth. The way to dispel darkness is to admit light. The best way to deal with error is to present truth. It is the revelation of God's love that makes manifest the deformity and sin of the heart-centered in self. A certain man, said Jesus, was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers which both stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. And by chance, a certain priest was going down that way, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And in like manner, a Levite also, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. This was no imaginary scene, but an actual occurrence, which was known to be exactly as represented. The priest and the Levite who had passed by on the other side were in the company that listened to Christ's words. In journeying from Jerusalem to Jericho, the traveler had to pass through a portion of the wilderness of Judea. The road led down a wild, rocky ravine, which was infested by robbers and was often the scene of violence. It was here that the traveler was attacked, stripped of all that was valuable, wounded and bruised, and left half dead by the wayside. As he lay thus, the priest came that way but he merely glanced toward the wounded man. Then the Levite appeared, curious to know what had happened. He stopped and looked at the sufferer. He was convicted of what he ought to do, but it was not an agreeable duty. He wished that he had not come that way, so that he need not have to see the wounded man. He persuaded himself that the case was no concern of his. Both these men were in sacred office and professed to expound the scriptures. They were of the class specially chosen to be representatives of God to the people. They were to have compassion on the ignorant, and on them they were out of the way, that they might lead men to understand God's great love toward humanity. The work they were called to do was the same that Jesus had described as his own when he had said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He had sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are abused. The angels of heaven Look upon the distress of God's family upon the earth, and they are prepared to cooperate with men in reliving oppression and suffering. God, in his providence, had brought the priest and the Levite along the road where he was wounded and the sufferer, that they might see his need of mercy and help. All heaven watched to see if the hearts of these men would be touched with the pity of human woe. The Savior was the one who had instructed the Hebrews in the wilderness from the pillar of cloud and of fire. He had taught the very different lesson that from which the people were now receiving from their priests and teachers. 
the merciful provisions of the law extended even to the lower animals, which cannot express in words their want and suffering. Directions had been given to Moses for the children of Israel to this effect. If thou meet thine enemy's ox or his ass going astray, thou shalt surely bring it back to him again. If thou see the ass of him that hateth thee lying under his burden, and wouldest forbear to help him, thou shalt surely help with him. But in the man wounded by the robbers, Jesus presented the case of a brother in suffering. Today, we are dealing with a very terrible issue. The coronavirus is not just affecting poor people. The coronavirus is a threat to our entire mankind. And it's not a poor man's disease. It's not a Chinese disease. It is not an African disease. It's not a European disease. It is an issue that can affect anyone, black, white, Jew, Gentile, old, young. Too many people today are lost in the thought that maybe this is just something for a few people to be concerned with. But for those of us who know that their adversary is going around as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour, we realize that the devil is mad with the world and he's mad with mankind. He really wants to destroy us and he will use whatever means possible to keep us from moving forward. Today is a challenge for us to make sure that people in our society not only live, but that we turn from our wicked ways and that we develop a relationship with Jesus Christ. Today, I want those of you who are troubled to know that there are resources to help. We would like to make ourselves available for any senior citizens who feel like they're lonely. Maybe there's someone who is depressed. Maybe there's someone who is lost and cannot find their way. Maybe there's someone who is not at peace with themselves. Today, we would like to offer our services. If you just want to talk with someone, if you just want to pray with an individual, we are making ourselves here available. So we've established a prayer line. That telephone number is area code 318 742-0606. You can call that prayer line 24-7-365. Our purpose is to make sure that those of you who are, fair, who are afraid, those of you who are fearful, those of you who are challenged, know that there is a place that you can come and find refuge. Again, if you'd like to contact us here at Deliverance Today Ministries, you can reach us at Post Office Box 5452, Bossier City, Louisiana, zip code 71171. Again, that address is Post Office Box 5452, 
Bossier City, Louisiana, zip code 71171. Again, our prayer line is area code 318-742-0606. out to us. We would love to hear from you. Call at 318-658-6216. Email us at deliverancetodayministries at gmail.com. Write us at P.O. Box 5452, Bossier City, Louisiana, 711.